This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 194, recorded on December 4th, 2014. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all your favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, even product releases, as we'll talk about tonight. All for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from AverageGuy.tv studios here in Bellevue, Nebraska. I see a very nice Bellevue, Nebraska. And we post the show notes with world-class show notes each week out at TheAverageGuy.tv. If you have questions, comments, or contributions, of course, you can send those right to us. Contact the show. Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. Track me down on Twitter at Jay Collison, or now you can call in those questions. I'd love to have you do that. Uh, here in the U.S., 402-478-8450, and we'll play those questions right here on the program. And now the home, and now home Gadget Geeks is a part of the Geeks Network. Find the links to this show and many other great podcasts out at thegeeksnetwork.com. Join us live uh, for chat, watch, or listen live on YouTube and on Spreaker as well as Mixer. We have all kinds of ways to listen and watch the show, both live and recorded, and all the navigation for this. And the subscription links can be found out at TheAverageGuy.tv. All right, we kind of have a dual-purpose uh, program for you tonight. We, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a product release from Kickstarter uh, about the on-air player. We'll talk about that here in a second. Mike Howard and Tim Kemperly will stay on, and we'll talk about buying the cameras around Christmas. You guys know that I like to, during, uh, before the Christmas season, we talk about buying uh, all those tech gifts for your family, and we're going to start with cameras. Next week, we're going to have Ashton and Christian back on. We'll talk a little bit about Cyber Frontiers, as well as some uh, fitness gadgets. So if you're uh, thinking about buying a fitness gadget for your family during this holiday season here around Christmas. We'd love to have you coming back next week as well. All right, a returning guest here, and uh, we're super excited to have him back on. And He contacted me uh, oh, a month or so ago, Daniel Volka. He is uh, the CEO of On Air Player. And Daniel, great to have you back on Home Gadget Geeks. Thanks for coming. Great. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. So let's talk. Let's catch up with you a little bit. We had you uh, the last time we had had you on the show back in uh, March, April time frame. I think show 159 or so. Uh, we talked about uh, on air player, and actually a bunch of the guys here on the program uh, gave it a try. We we worked with it. We we played music off of it. Some guys more than others. Uh, Kevin Schoonover, of course, was. He dug right in and got moving on it. Bring us up to speed. What's happened with the company since March? What are you guys doing? And then let's talk a little bit about uh, the announcement that you wanted to make. Yeah. Um, so mainly we have continued the development um, of, of the app, uh, of, of the apps, I got to say. So we, we run on Android phones, tablets, um, all kinds of PCs and Macs. And Linux. Um, we have a web app, and we've added some... Um, apps for set-top boxes like the Amazon Fire TV, Ouya, and others that you can stream your music to TVs and home theater setups as well. So we've continued development there. We are, um, we've um, at started to integrate um, external cloud services, which we're going to um, launch soon. We're going to launch um, very soon the SoundCloud integration so that you can not only listen to your local music from different devices, but also stuff from the web, have everything in one place. And um, then we basically, the main push was towards building a hardware hardware device. Um, we realized on-air player is great and lots of people love the, the concept of it. 
but um, usually the last mile into the living room of normal geeks um, that do not have their Linux server hooked up to their um, stereo system and TV and everything, but just have... Um, still, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, you're fine. I just, I'm just i going to bring it up while you're talking about it. I'll just bring okay. it up and show folks. Exactly. So just normal people that want to use it that same way too, that want to stream their music throughout their whole house, um, um, but simply have an existing old-school stereo there, they have been left out so far, and um, so we've developed that on-air box to solve exactly that problem. Um, it's a little round device that you can um, actually see that there on the screen too. Um, the idea is simple. You simply buy one of those devices, you connect it to your existing stereo via a analog audio connector or an optical um, audio connector, SPDIF, and um, then you can use an air player and simply stream all your music to that stereo that you've just connected. Um, so that is the multi-room aspect of an air player. The cool thing about um, this device too is it features, as you can see on that um, image there and also here, it features two USB plugs, two USB um, connectors. Um, what you can do there is you can simply um, connect a thumb drive or your external hard drive where all your music is on, and the device itself will simply index all the music on that on that hard drive and make it available on all your devices. So in the can end, you know, what you do which, is you connect. Let me let me interrupt real quick. Which formats? So a lot of the guys, you know, always were talking about what kind of formats. So what are the supported? If I took a flash drive and I had music on it, what are the supported formats? Uh, music formats, you mean? Yeah, music formats. Yes. Um, that depends on where you want to play it. So basically, on AirPlayer, the way on AirPlayer works is we're never transcoding anything. Um, we're not your original quality music stays the way it is. We just shift the the files basically from where they are stored to where they need to be played back. So um, if you want to play that music on your Android phone, for instance, it's whatever your Android phone supports, which is MP3, FLAC, pretty much everything except WMA, Windows Media Audio, and a few um, uh, more... A few not, things that don't really matter, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, really, that are not that popular. Um, but yeah, so, so all the main ones, like MP3, um, like um, Flock, uh, like um, Apple codecs are supported, depending on where you stream it. So if you stream it, for instance, to your, um, to your MacBook, which we have an app for as well, then all the Apple codecs are obviously supported because we use a local Mac to actually play it back. Um, if you play it on your Windows uh, computer, you can use uh, Windows Media Audio. Um, so it always depends on where you stream it to. For the box itself, the box is based on Android, so we support um, the standard ones, meaning MP3, Flux, um, and I think Ogforus should be supported too. Yeah. I'm just uh, switching some things around so that uh, folks can kind of see it. And so, um, and so to review a little bit on this, we kind of do it. We 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 dove right in to get to the to the box. But the concept with On Air Player was not to consolidate your music in one location, not to go out and grab it from every place and put it all in one location so where you can play it. 
it was more a distributed model. Wherever your music is, you can as long as it's available to you and you have the software loaded on the device, you can play that music as as long as it's available to you in that network, right? So I could have some on my iPad, I might have some on my computer, it could be on my MacBook, I could have it on my devices. In this case, you're extending that out to this device that would then I could maybe even load it. I could take a hard drive, right, and load that music on there and plug it in, and that now becomes a network. A device that I can see and choose from and play from, right? That's the extension capability. And then play out to, and I assume as I roll down here as well and look at the, um, let me not play that video. As we look at the, as we look at the control here, I'm assuming then you also can play it. Say I want to play this song on this device, and that's connected to it. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So. Go back to the beginning, you're right. The, the idea is no more syncing, no more uploading your music. You just have access to all your music wherever it is. Um, so you install the app on all your devices where you have music at, and whatever device you now grab, your phone, your tablet, um, the web app, uh, you'll see the sum of all the music from all your devices where you installed it. And now with the box, that'll just be one more device that contributes music to that list. The main advantage is, or disadvantage using um, normal, using apps on your MacBook or your computer is, um, you can install the app there, you can import your music and it'll all work, but as soon as you turn that computer off, obviously that music won't be available anymore. I mean, an air player is smart enough to detect that and then to, to hide that music from you so you simply won't see it while the computer is off. But still, it means that if you want to have an always, all your music with you anywhere and always approach, you need to have your computer running at home. And that is one thing that this box is solving too. Um, you simply connect your hard drive to it. The music that is connected to that box, to that hard drive, is always on. And the box itself, it runs on an ARM processor, Android um, hardware. So it's very power efficient. It won't won't suck much data, much power. You can basically keep it on always, and it's like your whole private home media server that's always on. And you're right. So you have all the music that is connected to that accessible everywhere, and you can also simply select stream to, and then you have all your devices where you want to listen to the music to, which includes your apps from your computers, but the box itself will simply show up there too. So. The idea is really, from the simple point of view of using it, you connect that box to your home stereo, you connect an external hard drive to it with the music, and that's it. You leave it there, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Now when you come home, you take your phone and say, stream music to my stereo, and it just works. You have all your music there. You can, you can control it from your phone or tablet while listening to it on the, on the stereo. And when you leave home, uh, you still have access to all that music on your phone too. Yeah, so you can kind of, you know, your iPad, so to speak, could become, or tablet, could become the home media control panel for all the music that you have around the house, be able to dictate where you want that to play to, uh, you know, around there. The device, uh, let's talk, can you hold that up for me real quick? And listen, if you, just so we get a, a, a look at the size of it there against you, so, so that size. And then, 
uh, come back around to each of the ports, and let's just let's just walk through those again real quick, so folks yeah. get a chance to see those really so, well. Can you see it like that? It's yeah, nice. that's perfect. No, that's great. You bet. Yeah. So here we have two USB ports um, where you can connect your external hard drive or USB thumbstick or whatever you have music stored on. Next coming up is AV, so that is your analog audio out. It's a simple headphone jack, like you have it on any iPod, or where you could connect um, your headphones, or we'll also um, ship it with a cable that um, transforms that, uh, connects that to an RCA um, stereo connector. So this is where you would um, connect your stereo the analog way. That next one here is simple power. There will be a power connector coming with it. Then we have an Ethernet plug. So that device itself also has Wi-Fi. You don't need to connect it to an Ethernet port, but if you have happen to have an Ethernet cable handy where you want to connect it to, um, that's the even easier way to do it. We have an HDMI port, so it is not only for a stereo, but you can also connect it to your TV if you like. Uh, you'll have a nice UI that always shows you what's currently playing and also obviously can receive music over HDMI, so you can play the stream the music to your TV if your TV, for instance, is hooked up to some nice um, surround sound system or so that you want to leverage. Coming up next is the optical audio out, Sony Panasonic Digital Interface, SPDIF. Um, it's just those standard optical cables. Uh, it's awesome if you want to connect a really high-quality stereo to it and really want to make sure you don't lose much quality or no quality at all mm -hmm. while transmitting it. Mm -hmm. And then here we have a um, micro SD card slot. So in case uh, you don't want to extra use that um, external hard drive that you have lying around, but if you have, for instance, um, a micro SD card up to 32 gigs and your music library happens to fit on that, just put your music on that, enter the SD card in there, and the music from that SD card will be available everywhere, too. And, and how big of an SD card uh, does the device support? 32 gigs, so it's the HC high okay. capacity, not the XC. And and Lopto was asking in our chat room, you know, he's got a, uh, I think he said a Western Digital Media box, and every time he turns it on, it's got to re-index all the music files, and it takes a long time to come up. If I put a big hard drive on there that had a whole bunch of music, is is there going to be a delay for me? And in, in uh, when I turn that thing, say it's turned off, and I need to turn it on, uh, would it have to spin up and index everything? Uh, so it, the very first time you connect it, it needs to index everything, and that'll take some time depending on your on your library. So that can take some minutes or tens of minutes. Um, next time, usually when you turn the device back on, um, that should not happen. All that happens is we run over. It will be available right away, and in the background, we'll do a background check. Did something change in between? Did something get added or removed or moved or something like that? Um, if you, yeah, so that should, there could be a special case of while an air player is running and now the device gets turned off or on while the app is starting, that it is trying to see what changed and now everything is gone, then it's removing that from the index, so next time it comes back on, it might be needed to be added again. But, uh, well, even that, if that would happen, that would be a, something we'd, we'd improve over, yeah. over time. So the yeah, idea is that, that would not guys. have to happen. Yeah. <laughs> that guys are going to push that limit. Do you, yes. really, do you really intend the device to be on 24-7? Is that kind of 
bring it in, turn it on, connect it to the device, maybe your stereo or whatever, and leave it on? Is that it, Does it have some power efficiency stuff built into it? How, what, what are you guys thinking about that? Yes, that's exactly the idea. Connect it to your external stereo, add to external hard drive, and keep it on 24-7. Just put it next to your router. Like you have your router at home always on too, right? Your Wi-Fi router. It's I, We intended that to be that same type of device. And yes, it is very low low power. Um, it's basically, it's like an Android phone without a screen. Um, so uh, it maybe draws one watt or so, two watts uh, at full power, probably while it's idling, even way less. Um, you'll likely not even um, <clears throat> notice it on your electricity bill. Yeah. Probably not, no. <laughs> not indeed. Especially if you have a lot of gadgets at home anyways. I mean, your stereo already is probably pulling 5 watts and more in standby mode without even being turned on. And I expect this device to be significantly less, even in operation. I think, I think the devices behind me by themselves are probably uh, <laughs> yes. doing that. Tim, right. Mike, uh, questions yeah. before we talk about the actual delivery of the box? Yeah, and I so I'm really new to this, so I, this may be a question that's kind of stupid. But yeah, you know, my wife has a large iTunes collection. Could she mm -hmm. use this to play her iTunes collection on our TV, which is connected to a 5.1 you know, stereo? Could could we do that? Yes, if the collection is not DRM protected. Okay. So if you bought it, uh, if it's newer purchased. Apple stop DRM protecting that at some point, then it works. Um, DRM protected music, we're not cracking that. Um, right. it's technically, almost impossible or hard and would be illegal. We're not doing that. Yeah. So, and no need to. Yeah, right. So we're un so unprotected, I think you said, right? Yes. Normal yeah. unprotected MP3s. Because, um, yeah. Or unprotected. She would be able to be down. Once we do whatever we need to do, she would be able to uh, play it from her phone to the, to the TV. Yeah, so basically what she would do is um, either she would connect that um, iTunes library to the box to have it always on, okay. or if she doesn't want to do that, she simply installs on AirPlayer on her Mac where she has um, iTunes, her iTunes library located. Or PC. Or the music, and then she connects that um, box to your TV or stereo, and then she can just sit on the couch, take any tablet or phone or browser or other computer, to access all that music, have everything in one list, and simply say stream to TV, and it'll just work. And even then, while you're outside um, at work, for instance, you can open up a browser and still have access to all your music from home and listen to it through the browser. Uh, so how soon can I buy this? <laughs> <laughs> Very. <laughs> Daniel, let's talk about then what... How, what's the retail channel going to be for this? Give, give us price. Give us all the lowdown. I know you're doing Kickstarter, so give us the spiel on how this is going to work if people wanted to take a peek at this and, and maybe even purchase it. Yeah. So we, we are going live on Kickstarter um, actually very soon, probably tomorrow or the day after. This weekend it's planned. Um, so that is, if you can't wait to get your fingers on one, that's going to be the way for you to um, be one of the first to, to get it. Um, back us there, and as one of those rewards, you'll obviously get get a box. Then um, we're starting for the early birds. If you're one of the first to to grab one, we'll, we're starting at thirty five dollars. And the eventual box, so the the latest, last ones, and all those after the Kickstarter, will be retailing at forty nine dollars, including shipping. Um, I did have another question. 
Go ahead, Mike. And I read it somewhere. You probably wouldn't want to do this like in the same room because it's not a perfect sync. But let's say I wanted to have the same music basically playing across around the house. Uh, and I have a uh, three-story, you know, basement, main level, mm-hmm. two-story. Would I need three of those devices, one on each, maybe each floor, connected to some kind of stereo equipment, and all three of them play the same music? So as you move through the house, maybe it's off a few seconds, but you won't notice it as you move throughout the house. Would that be achievable too? Correct. That's exactly how it works. And actually, we're also working on having it perfectly synced to the millisecond so that you could even have two, two devices in the same room. We're not yet there, but we're working on that. But um, if it's off, it's never more off than by two or three seconds, usually even below a second. Yeah. So if you have it in different rooms and you don't hear the echo directly from the rooms, if you move between different uh, levels, um, that's going to be totally fine. Correct. And you can simply select to stream to multiple devices at the same time. Yes. Okay. So. Very good. How does it handle the album art? Daniel, when we when we talk about moving those files, I assume you're just reading whatever art, whatever's embedded in that file, and yeah. because you're using the transcoding on the end of the device that you're listening to, it it must just be whatever's in the file. Is that right? Yes. So I'm using whatever's in the files if I find something there, and if not, I'm using some online services uh, to look it up um, if it's if it's available there. Um, sometimes. Also, if other users had the same file and had the album art in there, um, I'm matching that. So if you have a Michael Jackson thriller um, at home and it does not have the album art, but somebody else had that already, then I'm matching that and I'm simply reusing that. So um, most of your files will have an album art even if you didn't have it locally. Um, The way I'm doing it... So an AirPlayer does not upload or sync your music. It always stays what you stored it initially. Um, but what we do upload is we create an index of the, um, of the music on every device, and we do upload that index alongside with um, the album arts. So that's how you can, when you open up a browser or open up your tablet, how you see all the, the song list quite instantly and all the album arts quite quickly. Um, because we don't have to, every time you access your music, upload all the album art directly from the device that stores it. And so what kind of infrastructure are you guys running on the backside? I mean, is it, uh, certainly since there's not nothing's being stored, you're keeping track of some meta uh, based mm-hmm. on the music itself, but uh, do you guys have a fairly large infrastructure that you're using? Are you up on Amazon? How's that working? Yeah, yeah we're actually running on multiple cloud services. We're running on... Microsoft Azure um, virtual machines like Amazon, um, and we're running on Google Google Cloud Platform. Oh, App Engine. I like to hear yeah. that you're on Azure. I like that. So I'm an Azure guy myself. So appreciate you. I, I like it too. Uh, until lately, like two weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, do you realize that when they managed to to actually crash all the virtual machines worldwide at the same time? <laughs> I'm not quite sure how you technically can do that even if you try to. (laughs) It's crazy. I know. It's like you would almost have to have a coordinated attack to do that. (laughs) And somehow they they pulled it off. Yeah, unfortunately. We have extra build build an architecture with an air player that is very fail-safe. If some servers crash or even a complete data center burns down, the user usually never would even realize that. It automatically falls over to another one. But... If all worldwide fail at the same time, yeah, we had a little downtime there. But yeah. usually it doesn't happen. 
So, so Ken from chat asks, he says, so is On Air an online database of everyone else's album art then? So are you keeping some track of album art globally around? Is it local to me? Is it, is it uh, global, you know, across users? Or how does that work, the album art piece work in? Um, well, I mean, we're, we're not a database. So we do store those album arts online, um, but basically for internal use only for you to be able to, when you have your player, when you want to listen to a song that you already own, um, that we can show you the correct album art with Perfect. it. Um, we're not in sharing, distributing, or selling any of that data. It's just, that's what we consider fair use. Um, it is a um, intellectual property of the artist, obviously, but the only way we use that image is to enrich the audio file that you as an end user already paid for when you're listening to it. Yeah, no, that's great. I think that's great clarification. So uh, $35 Kickstarter will go live sometime this weekend, uh, yes. possibly. Uh, ship that link to me when you have it, and we, of course, will include it in the show notes. Uh, or is there, a, is there a link I should be watching right now, or will that get a unique link on Kickstarter? Actually, if you... Wait one second. Um, I can... Give you a preview link oh, to great. our campaign, so people can already check it out and look at the details. Um, they won't be able to back us just yet because it's not yet live. But as I said, it will be live within a few days, probably on the weekend. Um, one second, just retrieving that link here. Yeah, no, no, no problem. We'll also, for anyone watching the video or listening to the audio, I'll have that link available in the show notes if you want to head back. TheAverageGuy.tv slash HGG, for Home Gadget Geeks, HGG194. We'll get you there. Or just search on AirPlayer in our search box, and you'll see this post uh, as well coming up. Ken had also asked the reason for the Azure crash uh, in that. And did, did you... Um, I saw they were they were giving SLA money back from that uh, from that incident. Did you, did that affect you guys? You're gonna you gonna get any money back from the? the I damage? haven't heard from that yet. I think that is only if you um, are on some enterprise plans where you actually have those SLA agreements. The normal guys that just rent some. You you and me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, my, my blog was down. I got a note. We use Uptime Robot to monitor our websites, and I saw that go down, and that almost never goes down, and I was like, what the heck's going on? And so I, I, you know, I peeked out there through the Microsoft channels. We got some word on the backside of what was going on, and, and I saw the note. We'll be offering refunds, SLA refunds, for anyone affected, and you're right. It's in a certain, uh, you have to be in a certain class. It's, I mean, oh. it's not in my class with an MSDN subscription for sure. Yeah, and the thing is, usually, and that's the way I architected that that backend server architecture. Everything is, I usually I wouldn't even need it, right? It's built. The architecture is built in a way that it's always there's always a whole farm of servers, and if a few of those fall down, the whole system in itself um, is not affected. So usually, you wouldn't even think you need that SLA kind of thing, because okay, here's the data center that goes down. I'll just shoot up some VM somewhere else. Um, yeah. So far, I wasn't aware that it's actually technically possible to shoot down all data centers worldwide at the same time. But yeah, you learn. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Hopefully, they learn from that and they will not yeah. let that Somebody happen. Somebody pushed again. the wrong button. Somebody, uh, the the uh, cleaning service pulled the plug on the main <laughs> on the main server. Um, uh, other Jim asking chat: Can the USB a port support other devices like if you had an old Zune or if you had an iPod? Well, iPod probably wouldn't work from from that standpoint, but 
Are there other if the if the I guess if it's Android and it can see that storage that's on that device, then I yeah. would say yes, right? Correct. Yeah. So if it's basically if it is identifying itself to the device as USB storage, um, then yes. I'm not sure iPods. I think that only works with iTunes software. Is it? I haven't tried that. I don't I, think iPods, don't for know. instance, yeah. work as normal USB storage. So that wouldn't work. But anything that is a normal USB storage does work. By the way, one thing that I oh go ahead. One thing that I need to mention there is um, it. So hard drives that do not have an external power supply might work or not. Um, if they draw too much power, there is a limited amount of power that that device offers. So it works with external hard drives that have their own external power supply, but those mobile ones that you usually have with your laptop that draw all the power from USB, some of them work, some of them don't, depending on how much power they draw. Okay. Best practice. I would imagine you're, you could even plug your own phone if you had an Android phone or a Windows phone or uh, I, don't, I don't know about the iPhone, but those are seen as, when you plug those into a, a PC or whatever, those are seen as storage devices and you could grab the, that music off of those. I'm not too sure, honestly. So my Android phone is not being seen. If I connect really? that to my um, laptop, I need to run a special software to actually access oh, the Android which, software. Which Android here. phone do you have? Um, that's a Nexus 5. Okay. But it's also Mac. It's not, it's not Windows. That I'm uh, on. Yeah, I don't have to check that. I guess so the question really is, right, on this is that, or the answer really is, if the device, if it can be seen on, as a storage device, like you said, then yes. Yeah. The answer is yes. It'll Correct. Work. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So if it's simply a storage device like a USB stick or an external hard drive, there is no difference to, it, to, the, to, the, to the on-air box. But um, if you... Like a phone, I don't think it identifies itself as a simple storage device, at least not by default. Um, if you can make that work, then yes, but I think Windows simply has some drivers um, for Android phones pre-built in, so it actually works when you plug it in, but it's not really a storage device, because otherwise, if it was, it would also work with my Mac out of the box, but I need that extra software. Thanks for the link. I put the Kickstarter link. Uh, I'll put it both in the show notes as well as it's in uh, the chat room if you're out listening to yep. us live. Uh, you can go out and take a peek at that. That uh, $35 to get in uh, to support. When will they ship? And I know you know you don't have exact dates on this, but if, we, if yeah. you jump in as a supporter, when would I expect or could I think about getting advice? Currently, we're um, planning on shipping in June next year. Uh, that being said, we actually put quite some buffer in that timeline, so we internally hope to be able to ship earlier. Um, but as you know, projects always run over time, and there's always uh, shit happens that you never expected, so that's why we added another little buffer in there, so hopefully we will not have to push it out to the uh, delay it. Um, but with, with a little luck, we'll ship even earlier. But yeah, current plan is um, Q2 this year and uh, next year, so in June. No, oh, very cool. I, it, this is exciting. I, it's a great product that I haven't done. This will be my first Kickstarter. I'm going to jump in as soon as you make it available and uh, jump on. This is just cool. I've appreciated you supporting the podcast and coming back to us and letting us uh, kind of break this news out there as well. And uh, so we'll, well jump out that. there. And I'll encourage you if you're listening, uh, if you're a, and you know we've got quite a few listening to the show now. If you're listening out there and you want to give this a try. Uh, and, and Daniel and his team are very accessible in a lot of ways. If you want a proof, just ask Kevin Schoonover in our community. Kevin has done some things and contacted you guys with a lot of questions, and I and and he got some uh, some good feedback from you guys. 
I, I would imagine that hasn't changed. You guys are still uh, fairly accessible. And what's the best way, if someone had some questions about this, Daniel, what's the really what's the best way for them to ask that? Um, best way, either email, Twitter, Facebook. Um, we even have a chat on our website uh, where you can just ping me and you usually get an instant answer um, as long as I'm in not sleeping or as long as I'm somewhere close to my computer, I will hear that ding and I will answer it right away. Yeah. So try that. Try the website chat. Um, and if that doesn't work, just send an email to support at onairplayer or daniel at onairplayer.com. And uh, I'm usually very quick in answering emails and supporting. You're an, on, you're an entrepreneur. You never sleep, right? That's, uh, <laughs> exactly. That's, kind of, that's the kind of the way. You haven't slept in uh, the, since you started the company, I bet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, slap, a couple, de- a couple deserved weeks of vacation there in Taiwan. Thanks for uh, it's. It's not too early there. It's we're, we're what time? What's the local no. time there? Ten thirty a.m. Perfect. So, yeah, you're, yeah, you've got some breakfast and totally. uh, and you're joining us. So the time synced up really well for us. And uh, thanks. Before we let you go, anything else do you want to throw in there as far as uh, information for the listeners? Um. Not really. I think we've covered most of it. Um, so we're going live on Kickstarter in a few days. The link is with the show. Um, is in the chat and on the show website. Check us out. Um, have a look. Support us. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, we're always happy to help. All right. Sounds good, Daniel. Thank you. One closing oh, thing. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. yeah to me, at that price point, this is a no-brainer. How would you not do this? Yeah, forty-nine dollars. Exactly. I get this thing. Yeah. Just, well, so that's. But you can get it if you jump on the Kickstarter. You can get it for thirty-five bucks. I mean, that's a Chrome. I know that's even better. I mean, <laughs> so how could you <laughs> not? The first uh, few hundred, though. Not not so. The, the only the early birds. The first few hundred are at thirty-five and forty dollars, and then yeah. the rest goes. Forty-nine. Yes. Well, a, yeah, so my worst case scenario, I got to pay forty-nine dollars for this. I mean, yeah. so that's what I'm saying. At forty-nine dollars, it's still a no-brainer. It's still, you know, a great price point. Yeah. I'm hoping you'll sell a ton of these. Thanks yeah, for. That's why we we actually have set a rather high um, limit on Kickstarter. We're raising uh, two hundred thousand dollars or more. And one reason we're doing that is actually to be able to get to that low price point because we believe this device is just way more sexy at $49 than it would be at 99 mm-hmm. And uh, we need to be able to actually produce it in large numbers to get down to that price point. Right, because so somebody, like somebody like me, when you get it at 49 I'm thinking about buying multiples of these. And you know, that's the, the whole point of it, right? Yeah. It's, and that's the whole point of it. We want people to do that. Um, it's a multi-room streaming solution. It's one for every room, for every stereo you have, connected everywhere, and now use all your mobile devices to simply stream the music around your house without without setup or com- complex configuration. It just works, and music is there for everybody. Yes. Yep. So one for every room. Thank you. All right. Very cool. Daniel, thank you. We'll let, at this point, we'll let you go and go back to your vacation. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the... Still working here, unfortunately, but <laughs> I'll get back to that. <laughs> Sounds good. Friday, you, your Friday is already... You're almost done. Uh, you're, you're so far ahead of us at this point. You're almost to the weekend. Yep. And uh, thanks for taking a second to jump in. Keep us posted. Maybe we can check back in with you oh, after the first of the year to see how the Kickstarter project is going and uh, just kind of get a quick update from you. It'd be great. Be more than happy to. You bet. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Jeff. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Nice Have a great weekend. Bye, guys. Bye. Take care. All right. Very cool.
That's uh, that's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to follow this. Yeah, for sure. This is something that my, I know my wife will be interested in. When I have to hook it up and get it all running, but you know, once, <laughs> of course she will. <laughs> well, once I get it all up up and running, she's gonna be excited to to be able to play her music at different places in the house. Yeah, for sure. Daniel, you don't have to hang around with us if you don't want to. We'll we'll let you go. Alrighty, cool. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. All right, yeah, I uh, I'm super. Uh, this is kind of fun that that, uh, that these guys. It's fun to get on. You know, there's other devices that do some of the similar stuff, but it's kind of fun to know these guys. They they were good enough. To, Daniel was good enough to come on. You know, at the beginning of the year and talk to us. And they have. I, I love the concept of not moving your music around. Right. This is this is the difference. You don't have to consolidate it into iTunes or right. into to Amazon or and and by the way, full disclosure, I use Amazon Cloud for my music. But would I need to with something like this? Mm, doesn't look like it. I could just leave my music where it's at and connect all the devices together, and I'd have access to it. My so my wife. Um... Is was big iTunes user, and I don't know what happens with iTunes. This has happened more than once, where the iTunes library just is gone. And I've been trying to get her to, you know, she's bought all this music, and I don't know how we get all this music back. You know, talk to somebody at Apple and hope that they agree to give us what I've already bought back. I don't, I don't know. And we have to do this for every song. How do I know what songs I had? Anyway, I've been trying to get her, get I, you know, get rid of iTunes. I hate that software. And move over to something like, um, you know, like you did, uh, put it on Google or put it on Amazon or something like that. Or, you know, for me personally, I don't have, I don't use any stored music anywhere. I stream everything. Yeah, I, over my phone, driving in and driving to and from work every day. If I'm not listening to a podcast, I'm streaming Pandora, Bluetooth through my truck. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not. I'm. I'm with you, Mike. I do more streaming than I do. Listening that way, but it is nice to have access to that. You you do right. you do buy some music, and um, this just gives you some freedom to have it. If you're you know if you're one that you bought it or ripped it or maybe it's right. specialty music you can't get. And this would be perfect for my wife. Well, she doesn't she does do some streaming, but not as much as me. She has bought a bunch of music. I just need to figure out how to get it back. And like she has a Christmas party with her and her friends from school, and she would be love she loved to be playing that music in the background. Of course, it's happening next week, so it won't be in time for this. Um, but she'd love to be playing that music in the background. And then, you know, like I was talking about, you would love for, as somebody went to the uh, different section in the room, that's a uh, section in the house, that that music is still playing somewhere else. And it's it, it doesn't have to be in perfect sync. It would be great if it was. But uh, if it was, you know, at least close and you left one room and you come in somewhere else and music is playing there too, that same song, it, it, it's I think that's a nice... Um, I don't know. It it is nice. Yeah. I don't know what adjective to use there. Well, what if you had what if you had some sensing in there that would, if there's no movement in the room, it would shut the music off, and then when you walk back in, it would bring the music quietly back on, synced with the other rooms, so that. I don't care too much about that. (laughs) (laughs) And I I know, the lobster. Somebody was asking about um, multiplex. I don't know what he was asking about. I gotta imagine streaming the music throughout your house. On a gigabit LAN, is not even going to register on the uh, usage there, right? I wouldn't think so. It's not like video. Maybe like point one percent or something. Right. It 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 couldn't be too much. Yeah. I would imagine. I don't know. I think it's worth testing, and hope I'm clipping. Well, to me, it's like the what was that Chrome, the Chrome thing that I bought. Chromecast. 
Yeah, Chromecast, whatever the price point was on that, it was so cheap, I said, I'll just buy two. And guess what? There's still both of them in their box. I haven't used them yet. I will eventually. Um, but with this thing, it's, this is even cheaper. Yeah. I know yeah. It's kind of sad that I bought them and never used them. Well, I, I got. I'm, I think I bought three Chrome 6. I have two hooked up. And now I just went out and bought this past week the, the Fire t- Fire TV stick. Uh, yeah. And they're yeah. still sitting in the box. So, <laughs> And I bought two of them right away because, you know, they were $19. I mean... Yeah. Did yours come already? Yeah, mine came uh, last week. Oh, man, I'm super. Wow. So you got in on the 19 deal on Amazon. I got in the 19, right? You got them already, right? Oh. And, and a, a guy at work calls me up. He's like, "Did you see that?" I was like, "No." He's talking to me on the phone. I was like, "Yep, yeah, I just ordered two. I'm not even sure if I, the problem is I'm running out of HDMI ports on my. Uh, on Isn't that funny? That's, that's really the problem I'm running into now. We I ran out. All these, that's why I haven't used it. We bought these TVs and we're like four HDMI ports in the back. What do you need all that for? Exactly. Now we're running out. Now, so, granted, my, my main TV I have a, an AV receiver and I got eight HDMI ports on there. That's not the problem. But my yeah. son's room only has two HDMI ports. Right. So he's got a Blu-ray player and uh and the TiVo on it. So I think I even I removed the Blu-ray because I have up to his computer the Plex player, which has his computer hooked up to it, which I, I ran a long line underneath the, the house to get to him. But I, I still, and I'm still short a port for him now if I wanted to give him this. Yeah. Yep, yep. Here's here's my Chromecast right here. This is this is the second one I've ordered, and so for the longest time you know, we had these, and I it, obviously it's not plugged into anything yet. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna yeah. say, <laughs> right? And so the other night I was we've got one out in the living room, and I I took it out there and to show Sarah what how to use it, you know, a while ago. It's been sitting out there a couple months, and I was like, she's not using that thing. I'm gonna take it away. So. The other night, I'm sitting out there with her, and we were watching The Voice, and she's like, "Oh, wait a minute, you got to see some videos from last week." And she pulls out her phone, and like, boom, and then and then hits the Chromecast button, and it, boom, YouTube pops up on the TV, and she's playing videos for me, using the Chromecast, and I was so proud of her. I was like, "Oh, you're actually using." Do one of you guys, do one of you guys have the sound on when somebody posts in chat? Yeah, it's probably me. You hear it. Yeah, I was wondering who was doing that. Oh, I wasn't hearing it. And, right, and you know, it's okay. So, um, Christopher Court- Courtney, I think that's how you say his name. He said yeah. they do make HDMI switches. Yes, I, you know, yeah. that we're all complaining about. We ran out. You could get, you could get a switch and get get more. I I do. I think I have two of them actually because I I originally had it on my main uh main receiver because I had more than a. Uh, more inputs or more devices than inputs, and I use it like I think between uh, probably the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox or yeah. or or the Blu-ray player, whatever it was, and it's a pain in the neck. You shouldn't have to have that. Yeah. Well, I ordered the Fire Stick. I must have got I must have got on the they had 50 of them, and I got the 51st order, and they're like January 4th. Oh. So I'm I am out. It would have been nice to have it at Christmas time, but. It's what I need down here in the in the studios. I need to get a big, you know, 50-inch TV that I can. <laughs> yeah, that's what you need. <laughs> <laughs> it cover the lights is what it cover. Well, uh, Daniel, thanks. Uh, if uh, we'll thank Daniel Foca for coming out and uh, doing that tonight. We do want to talk some photography. I brought these guys on. I don't want to waste too much more time talking about that. Lots of chat about Plex and media out there, and uh, you know, from a community standpoint. Uh, on-air player again. If you uh, if you're interested in doing that, I think I'm going to jump out this weekend and pick up for 35 bucks. Even at Mike, like you said, at 49, not a not a bad 
no. thing to give a try for. So if you want to get get out there, we'll have the links out in the show notes for you. All right, guys, Christmas time is coming up. The goal over the next couple weeks of the podcast is to talk about you know stuff for Christmas that's coming up, and uh, you know kind of a Christmas buying guide, so to speak. Um, and so. What I asked you guys to do was uh, kind of come up with some lists of things uh, that's kind of hot, what's hot out there for if you have your photographer uh, loved one or family member that you're thinking of buying something for, or if you're a photographer yourself and you're into buying yourself Christmas presents, which some of us are, right? Apparently, we, <laughs> we are still buying things at Christmas time for ourselves. Yep. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that, Mike. I'm going to start with you as we roll through kind of this Christmas buying guide for the photographer. I'm going to start off by saying I, I put photographers in two buckets, and then there's many multi-buckets underneath it. But you have two buckets. You have the snapshotter, snapshooter, whatever that is, mm -hmm. and the photographer. The, the first person, it doesn't really matter which kind of camera they have. They just want to take snapshots, really don't care about, uh, you know, the getting great quality and learning about f-stops and learning about white balance and all that kind of stuff. They would like to have a little bit better photos, but that's not a real big concern of theirs. So I'm not going to be talking to those guys. I'm talking to the people who are, are a little bit more into it. Uh, Tim might have some stuff for, for both groups. But for me, if you're in group two, the photographer, you're looking to take, you, you know, improve your photography, get better and get better and, and invest it in gear and invest it in yourself, the number one thing you got to have is software. you got to have, well, other than the camera, you got to have decent software. And... Adobe has made a um, a great deal, what I think is a great deal for photographers, where you can get Photoshop and Lightroom in the photography plan that they have. It's a monthly subscription, and if you ever stop paying, you lose it. But you can get it for uh, an annual. You pay an annual price of $113, I think it is, $114. And then you have a Photoshop and Lightroom, the two top editing pieces of software and, and organization things hands down in, in photography. You have those two for that cheap price where I think if you're looking at uh, Photoshop alone, which you can't even buy anymore, you have to you have to do this thing. Uh, if you're looking at, um, and why does it say 115 now? The prices must have changed. There it's Amazon. They're changing stuff okay. all the time. Yeah, so if, if you know, you're buying Photoshop all by itself before, you're paying over $600 for that. If you are a person in that group number two I was talking about, and you're balking at paying $113, $115 a year for Photoshop and Lightroom, you're really not in group two. You're in group one. Right. Okay. So that's my number one. This is, okay, but this is the, uh, this is software. This isn't the subscription stuff. That is. This is the subscription. Yeah, so I sent you that link where you can prepay a year. You can also go to Am the Adobe's website and pay a year there too. Uh, we prepay a year for that, where you're getting what they call the the photo photography plan, where you have Photoshop and Lightroom, and that's it. Um, Adobe also has a Creative Cloud that includes everything they make, and it's more expensive. Mm -hmm. And well, if you really think of it, this this is really the cheapest way to go with Photoshop and Lightroom. I think Lightroom, on its own, is about $140. Uh, and then you have every year and a half they upgrade the software for another $70. So between just the cost of that, if you're going to upgrade, it kind of pays for it. Then you think, like Mike said, Photoshop itself is a $600 program, and to renew that is generally around $300 for every uh, – what's the recycle on that? Uh, is it 
every three years, or is it 18 months, I think, for every new version of Photoshop. This gives you the new version right away. It updates it for you, and it's the two things that you really need. I, originally, when they came out with the the bundles, I think it included uh, some of the products that I didn't want, but this was the probably the best one with Photoshop and Lightroom. Yeah, and, and there are alternatives out there. There's Photoshop Elements. There's things like GIMP and that kind of stuff. I think somebody mentioned in, in there, but you know, none of those compare to Photoshop and Lightroom. Uh, they're they are hands down the top dogs. Okay, and they're a little right. bit different. They're, you know, they they do a little bit different stuff. I like the combination, and for that price, it's hard to pass up. Again, if you're in Group Two that I talked about, then you shouldn't be worried about paying $113 a year. Correct. What do we have in the area of training, Mike? So the the next thing I think is if you're if you're in that group where you're wanting to get better, you know, just like if you're a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant or many many different professions, you need to be looking at what can I do to help improve myself. Where can I, how can I get better at what I'm doing? And I think one of the best things is take some kind of workshop, some kind of um, you know online class. The one you have here is with Damien. He has a a very active Facebook group called Ask Damien. And I actually have I am actually in those three both all three classes you have there, the raw class, the layer and mask class, and the levels class. I've bought them and myself and I am going through them all right now. I'm hoping to get him on the show at some point. Nice. And, and uh, it's it's training for you. You know, you should be out there shooting and, and learning how to get better, but also training. There, if you don't want to do something online, there's also workshops. I don't have specific link to this because there's so many of them. Uh, there's workshops where you can travel. I know people who, uh, a good friend of mine, just went out to uh, Yellowstone and did a workshop out there shooting wildlife in Yellowstone. So, you know, that that's a little bit bigger investment than what we talked about before. But I think what you should be looking at is some type of, of training in the new year for for you, um, the ones that are online, like the one I put there with Damien, and then there's another one, Mark Johnson, where he has premium editing videos. Those are ones where you can, um, you know, do them at home at your own leisure, and and they're not that expensive. So that would make a great gift for somebody to buy some of these things. All right, but look at training. Yep, and you know we over. I think we probably overlook that, and a lot of uh, you know people get into hobbies, and then they don't want to. They don't want to spend money, uh, you know, on their hobby. We find this in podcasting all the time. You know, I hear from podcasters. Well, I want to do podcasting, but I don't want to spend fifteen dollars a month to right. you know. And you're like, well, if you're gonna get serious about the hobby, you're probably gonna drop a few coins. Yeah, you know, if you're if you're getting into a hobby like golf or um, um, you know. Air, uh, model airplanes or something like that. You're spending a lot of money. Now the 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 Photoshop with Damien I just talked the the class I just talked about with Damien. They're not crazy expensive. They're maybe fifty dollars, something like that, eighty dollars. It's not that expensive. You, you know that we have the links there in the show notes. Um, and you don't have to take all three. You can just take one of them, and you can do a little bit of perusing and see which one I, I would make better sense to me. I did all three just so I could talk about them later on. Um, but some type of training. Is is good for, for you, and you should be doing it not just uh, for this time, but every year you should be doing some kind of retraining. And you know, again, I get asked all the time, what what camera should I buy? I have 150 dollars to spend. And, you know, <laughs> and it, my my comment to that is, don't buy a camera, just use your phone. Yeah. Yes. Because if you're only going to spend 150 dollars on your camera, then just use your phone. Don't. There's in this day and age, there really is not. A need for a point-and-shoot camera anymore, unless it's a specialty 
point and shoot camera. Like I, I bought one. You probably can't see it behind me. Little underwater one uh, when I went on vacation a, a while back. So that was something that that I would buy. I, now today I wouldn't use that. I would just get a GoPro or something like that. But um, if you only want to spend one hundred fifty, two hundred dollars on your camera, just use your phone. And, and Mike, as you're taking pictures, uh, are there legal implications? Now, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of amateur photographers, and I know this comes up on your show quite a bit. What do I need to worry about? And I know I'm not asking because that's a whole show in itself, but are there yes. resources to help me if I'm an amateur photographer with, uh, with legal stuff? Yeah, and, the, and the biggest one there is let's say you're going to enter a photo contest. Let's say you're going to, um, uh, you know, maybe you're going to take a picture and want to put it up on a stock agency or do something like that. That you you need to have a model release. If you're showing someone else's image, uh, you have to have a release from them. And Rachel Brinke, who's been a guest on our show what five times, Tim, also called the, the Law Talk because she's a, a lawyer. She wrote uh, all these different contracts. You can go through there, and they're all reasonably priced. And she has model releases, the one called releases. So if, if you know, for me, I I enter the the uh, a photo contest here in, in my town every year. They have a release already, so I don't need that. But if you're out in the field, you know, and shooting different people, you might want to use that image at some other point. You you have some of these just in your bag and have that person sign it. So having something like that, if you're going to do a little more and you're going to start charging people, you know, you're going to take a do some some shoots on your own and charge people, then you need to have a contract with them before you do the shoot. And she has. You saw on that page when you just pulled it up. She has almost every conceivable type of shoot, you know, uh, boudoir, wedding, seniors, uh, all those different things you're going to shoot that you can go get those from her, and it's written by a lawyer. So that's a great deal, and they're not that expensive. If I'm a photographer, I got my camera, right? Maybe I got it last year for Christmas, and I'm accessorizing it at this point. And this is an area I didn't know very much about. I still don't. It's this flash idea, right? You know, it's it's kind of confusing. And do I have to get a, you know, I see photographers with big honking ones up on their cameras and stuff. Has that technology gotten better? Is there anything you recommend when we talk about flash? It gets a little bit better, but it's still really expensive. But I do. this is where I'm going to get you a, a little bit better of a deal. Because all the stuff I talked about before, maybe money you didn't even think about spending. But a flash, if you have a camera, you know, even a lot of the SLR, digital SLRs have a pop-up flash on them. But the problem with that is it's right, really close to the lens. And when the flash and the lens are really close to the same plane, that's where you get that red eye in, in, in people's eyes. So what you have to do is remove that flash away from the, the lens some. And that's called, it's called a hot shoe flash. Some of them, they click on the top. And you can bounce them off the ceiling or something, or you may even be able to set them somewhere else, and and, and link to them through um, you know a wireless connection. With Canon, Nikon, I don't know about Sony, Tim. Uh, Tim shoots Sony. Canon, Nikon, their brand of flash is going to be five, six, seven hundred dollars. But there's a great brand out there called I'm going to mispronounce it here. You, Yongnu or whatever. Yongnu. Yongnu. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> But I've heard from a lot of the people in our in our uh, JPEG to RAW that they've had really good um, results from this thing. And instead of costing five six hundred dollars, it's seventy two dollars. That's pretty reasonable. I mean, that and actually, surprisingly, that's the international warranty. The U.S. warranty is seventy one. Wait, I thought I got the other one. I thought I got the U.S. warranty. No, the the it's oh, highlighted. I can, just, I can just click over. Yeah, there we go. So there's the U.S. warranty. Yeah, it's actually cheaper, surprisingly, for the U.S. warranty one. <laughs> you I want to get the U.S. warranty one. 
Yeah, with $72, and it has a built-in wireless transmitter built into the Flash. So that is a, uh, a great deal for whether you have Canon, Sony, Nikon, this Flash will work with any of those. And at that price point, you might want to buy more than one. Uh, and, the, and the deal there is if you're shooting inside, you know what you can do is with one of those is bounce it off the ceiling, if, as long as it's like in your house. Bounce it off the ceiling, and then it floods the room with light. So it doesn't even look that way, and at seventy-two dollars, that is just—you uh, mean—that's a gift you put in somebody's stocking for that price. Very cool, and uh, I'm terrible with flash. I'm the guy who blinks every time uh, the flash goes off. I always tell the <laughs> photographers, "Can you just turn it off?" You know, they just love to have that flash on. And uh, I think, and now, Mike, now that you said that, I'm going to tell them, "Please just point it up, right in front of the room. Just point it to the ceiling, so it bounces yeah. up." Is there, yeah. Tim? Uh, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. Well, I, just and this is getting a little bit off, but if your if ceilings are low enough, you know, if you have 50 foot ceilings, it won't work. But if you have like 10, 15 foot or lower ceilings, and the ceiling is white, that that work real well. If it's a red ceiling, then the light coming back down is going to be red. <laughs> you know, it's going to pick up whatever that color oh, okay. of the, the ceiling oh, is. Oh, I got you. But yeah. It, yeah, but yeah. if you know, most of it's going to have some kind of white ceiling. And, and then that works really well. It, it's amazing how well that works. With a normal pop-up flash on your camera, I mean, they only go one way. That's straightforward. Tim, from a flash perspective, because uh, I know you guys come from different camps on the on the camera side, right? Uh, Mike, you're, um, and I'm gonna, if I get this wrong, you're, you're, you're Canon, Mike? Nikon. 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 And you're Canon, Tim, is that right? No, I'm Sony. No, you're Sony. <laughs> There's three? Oh. Sony's coming on strong. It's going to pass them. On the Sony side? Sony actually makes a lot of the Nikon sensors today. Let's do the sensor inside yeah. of Nikon. On the Sony side, Tim, is there a, is there a different... Well, th this flash wouldn't work on a Sony then? No, I was, I was looking it up. This doesn't look like these flashes would work with Sony. Sony's got a proprietary... Uh, uh, shoe flash mount, and that, and that might be the big difference on it. Uh, uh, both of my, I have two flashes, external flash, and they're both Sony branded. Okay. But I think there are other brands, but uh, I, I stick with the Sony ones. Are they pretty expensive? Yeah, they're in the $400 range. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, that thing should last forever and make my coffee. It in the better morning. last forever, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know you know if they're any more durable, though. That's the thing. You're paying, you know, and, and, and Tim, if yours is $400, that's actually cheaper than what the Nikon version is. And they're, you know, I have one right now that's broken. Because I dropped oh. it. Oh, yeah. You don't want to drop any of this oh. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Can you buy insurance on that stuff? I guess you could, but, you know, I don't know if I'm going to buy it on the $500 flash. I yeah, wanna, never mind. Uh, speaking of things that you drop, you can buy straps to kind of hold all your stuff together. And I've seen some pretty, pretty you know, on a vacation, some pretty fancy contraptions of guys, you know, it holds the camera right here or, you know, whatever. Mike, you've got, and I'm going to ask Tim, I'm going to ask you as well, Mike, you've got a kind of a strap uh, listed here in the yeah. in the show notes. Why this one? This is not the exact one that I have. I bought the Sport, but I think I, if I buy it again, I might buy this one. They're very, very similar. It's the Black Rapid Curve, which I think is like the original one. I bought the Black Rapid Sport, which has an extra strap that goes underneath your arm. And if you see there where they're holding it, and I have an even bigger lens than this. I have a 70 to 200, which hangs down pretty low. It's a pretty big lens. And it just hangs on your side. So it, it attaches to the tripod mount on the bottom of your camera and then just slides on a glide up and down that strap that's, on, that's around you. So as I'm out shooting, 
uh, I just let it hang down on my side, and then when I'm ready to shoot, I just lift it up and shoot like that. And it, I have now that I trust that that strap is going to hold because when I, you first do that, I didn't, I didn't trust having a two thousand dollar lens hanging down on my side that's not going to break off and hit the ground. Um, but it it holds up really well and it's really convenient. And I can't, I don't, I not, I don't want to be without it now. Sixty and bucks. Yeah, I think mine might have been like seventy bucks. I bought the the sport. It's a it's just really nice strap. Tim and I, I gotta agree. I, I always hated having the the original strap that came where it was around the neck and just sat on your, your stomach. It always bothered me. You couldn't walk with it. It bounced around and it bothered my neck. So uh, I originally had bought a uh, I think it was called the spider holster where it was attached to the side of me and it had a ball bearing that would just hang off the side, which really made me nervous. Uh, Last year, uh, Mike had mentioned the Black Rapid, and I got this one. I got the the one you're showing here, and I absolutely love it. I, I use it all the time. Uh, if I have it on my 7210, I actually have the the uh, the mount to the the lens, not the camera. Okay. Okay. Yeah, super important. Uh, you know, and, and this is you know when we talk about, it, I mean, sixty dollars is a pretty good price point. You think for a strap, but it's holding. A thousand dollar or more, right? I mean, several thousand maybe dollars worth of equipment by your side, right? Yeah, thousands of dollars worth of equipment. If you you know you look at the pros who are shooting a football game, and they will generally have a massive lens, you know, that's probably like a four hundred millimeter, maybe a six hundred millimeter, and then they have a smaller thing attached to their side, and so they will flip that bigger thing over into the shoulder and then bring up that probably a 7200 and take their shots as the player gets closer and then just let it fall back to the side and go back to the bigger lens. And now I'm not going to be hugging, you know, lugging around a $8,000 400mm lens, but you know when you're out shooting, um, let's say your kid's sports, you know, like I'm shooting swimming or I'm shooting football, being able to slide that thing up and down like that so easily is, is really important. And if you, you know, let's say if you're a wedding shooter and you've got Two cameras, one with each a different lens on it. You want a wide angle and a zoom. There's ones that are, are like a dual holster, you know, a, a lens on each, a camera on each side, so you can flip between them really easy. Uh, and to me, that looks kind of cool, but I don't have a purpose for that. <laughs> the the one I have, which is the, with dual guns. Yeah. Hey, well, you know, yeah. you know, I, I gotta say, I I am more likely to have the strap around me using the Black Rapid than I would have ever have had the the normal strap that comes with a camera. So it's also safety for me because if the camera falls out of my hand, it's still on the strap which is around me. So yeah, right. And it looks comfortable. I mean, it's built. It looks like it's it built for comfort. So yeah, I use it down in, when I'm on vacation, walking around. I have it on me all the time. So yeah, super, very cool. I have to look for that when I, I see a lot of photographers. And I'll have to look for that and, hey, what kind of strap is that that you got on there? Let's talk a little bit about tripods. We have three. Mike, you have two. Tim, you have one. And we'll work down, I think, in price. So, Mike, uh, when we talk about tripods, uh, why are you recommending, or at least as we look at these, uh, what is it that you like about these tripods? All right, the, the thing with tripods, and this is where a lot of people go wrong, is they go to Walmart and buy the $59 tripod that's at Aluminum. Speaking you go. of that, what, what are you talking about? This is a great tripod. Look at this thing. Hold on. <laughs> Verbatim or something like that. Veldon. Veldon. The Veldon 5000. That it's center actually, column is a plastic with a plastic ring around it that slides oh, up and down. It is. It's, I've actually got a mount for my surface on there. That's what's sitting on there right now. But, so okay. if, your purpose, these, if your purpose with that tripod is for your surface or for maybe your point-and-shoot camera, 
that's probably fine. But for people who are, who are looking to put their SLR on there, maybe, and a lot of times when you're putting a tripod on, your camera on a tripod, is because maybe you've got a little bit bigger lens, maybe a 70 to 200 or something like that, where you need some stability, so some weight. You go buy that thing, and it won't do what you want it to do, and over time it's going to wear down. So you can go, and I have the, the big tripod, the heavy tripod with the really good ball head, where I spent $800 on a tripod, and Five or six hundred dollars on a ball head, so you know you got a thirteen hundred dollar tripod ball head set up. Um, those are heavy to lug around. There's there's definitely a need for that, but I wanted something a little bit lighter weight that I can have like with me all the time. I leave it in my truck, and is that enduro tripod? It's it's um, it's got three legs. It's got two, well three pair of legs because the tripod. <laughs> it's got the two dials, you know, where you you um, pull out the legs. Really good. It's got a center column. I on a big heavy tripod, I generally go against a, a center column, so you have more support. But in this one, it gives you the ability to move it up and down a little bit more. Uh, the Enduro, it's I guess what is this aluminum? I think it is. Yeah, something like that. I'm sure, what what it is? It's not it's not carbon fiber, but it it will hold my 7200 pretty good. And then I have an Enduro ball head. So the, I think the what was the price on the on the tripod? Maybe one fifty. One hundred forty, one hundred forty-three, I think. Is and then the the ball head is uh, one sixty. Yeah, so you're gonna be spending about three hundred total for this package. I would say that's the low end of the of the tripod uh, and ball head so, you know setups you could should get for something like this. But it's 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 worked well for me for my. Um, there you go. You got your weights right there. Yeah. Yeah. And they vary widely. You know, seventeen pounds being one hundred thirty-five, twenty-six pounds. 160, 39 pounds being 180, and then a 55 pound being a yeah. 215. Personally, once I start moving up in those weight things, I'd move away from Duro and go to something like really right stuff. With it has, you know, I don't have that one pulled out with me right now, but it has, uh, you know, a better ball head and setup like that. But you're going to be spending six, seven hundred dollars for something, you know, like that. Yeah, then you're out, right? You're out the, you're in the big you're ball, out. the big you're boy out. leagues. Yeah. If you're if you're shooting wildlife and you have a big 400 millimeter lens on that thing, so you have eight grand worth of lens or more. Six hundred dollars for a bullhead is nothing. <laughs> then you need to be putting that on solid equipment, uh, because those because what you when you look at a tripod, you want something that is going to lock down. That you know, the whole purpose of a tripod is this create stability. And if you're putting a eight eight thousand dollar 400 millimeter lens on something lightweight that's not going to add stability, then what are you doing? You know you need to have that. For me, when I'm shooting with a 7200, it's not nearly that heavy, and it's that enduro that you just showed will work just fine and create that stability. And there's even a little hook at the bottom. I don't know if you can see this, but a little hook down here. And you can put your camera bag on that, and it will pull this whole thing down, uh, adding some weight to the tripod and making it a little bit more stable. Kind of lowering the center of gravity. Right. Yeah. So if those two are the, you know, kind of the budget uh, tripod, T Tim, what's this one all about? What's the... Uh... This is the nice little portable one, which you can carry with you all the time. Uh, I have a really good tripod, and uh, I, I was going to bring it down to Disney once with me, and I realized it was going to weigh probably half as much as everything in my, uh, in my luggage, so... I didn't bring that one with me. I wound up getting a separate tripod. This is a nice little one that you can mount anywhere, take it with you. Whenever you need one, you can use it with uh, an SLR. A lot of times you get they even have different mounts for uh, for your for your camera. So 
on, for your camera, for your phone. So they, they make different types, and you can use them anywhere. This this is something that I bought a long time ago, and I, and I really liked using it. I have one of those, too, and I really like it, too. It's 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 got a lot of uses. Um, right, because there's a lot of places you can't use a tripod. This, you probably can. Yep. I've even used it, like, in the dugout at a baseball game when I was shooting a baseball game. Attached, wrapped it around a pole and put a camera on that thing inside of the dugout. Right, and then or, nobody sees it. Or just like we were talking before, that, that flash we were talking about, you don't have to put a camera on it. You can attach a flash right, you can to that attach thing. Right, you can attach a flash to this. Yeah, you know, so in off-camera shooting flash, uh, yeah. it's nice to have it somewhere out of the way and secure so it doesn't get knocked over by somebody else either. These, these also, some, like the C920 webcams, have that, uh, what's that screw called, that, uh, in the, in the, or, you know, the camera mount on the bottom? Yeah. And you can put your C920 on these and then mount that anywhere in your, you know, if you need, if you got an unusual setup uh, in, in your office and you need to attach it to something, those things will wrap around and they'll do some, I showed some pictures earlier of uh, where they'll go for sure. All right, so that covers uh, three different uh, three different kinds of tripods going down, and then uh, of course you've got to put um, you got to put all this stuff in a bag, right? It's got to go in a bag, Mike. And um, what's the number one video camera being sold today? Oh no, that's not the bag. It's not the bag. I saw a bag. I what here. you're doing? I didn't I'm know like, what where I was are we going here. with this? <laughs> well, you know, real quick, before we before we go to this, the number one camera being sold today. Before we go to this, how important is the bag? Uh, is that a big deal anymore? I mean, are there still a whole bunch of varieties of bags? To do my my wife would say that I own more camera bags than she owns pocketbooks. Yeah, and I, there's a reason why. I, I don't know for sure for Tim, but I'll say there's a reason why a lot of photographers own a lot of bags. And I didn't put a bag here just for this reason. None of us have found the perfect bag yet. No, that's why I own a lot. <laughs> yeah. We keep buying different bags up with this is the bag. And no, it, it, I don't know what it is, the perfect bag is. I, I okay. can't find it. Okay. so I'm going to have to say that to my wife. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, honey, I'm just trying to find the perfect bag, right? The, you know, the thing you run into as you get into, uh, or at least I do, when I get in, well, now that I'm shooting with an uh, SLR where you change the lenses, you know, that's what we're talking about. Is when you go somewhere, is what lenses do I not take? You know, I feel like I want to take too many of them, and you know, I don't want to be caught away from home without it, and that's always a struggle. And then what bag fits that stuff? Or then if you want to go lighter, you don't want to have a, a huge bag that holds all your gear, but you're only bringing two lenses. So it's it's I don't know if there is one perfect bag. Is there a backpack bag that because that would that would make sense, right? Right. That's what I'm using. much shoulder. Yeah, yeah there, there's all there's all kind of different varieties. There's even, you know, the hard case stuff and the stuff on roller, you know, rollers you can do. There's a lot of different choices. When I went when I went on vacation last year, uh, or, or the summer, I weighed my camera bag. It was 28 pounds. Oh, I was, I was like, really, this is getting to be too much. <laughs> it's a it's an expensive hobby, isn't it? Yes, it is. It can. Yeah. Yes. You think podcasting's bad? Start start doing photography. Okay, I mentioned earlier, Canon. Nikon and and um, Sony. Sony. Uh, which which of those has the number one best-selling camera right now, Mike Howard? Video which camera. One? Video huh? camera. Yeah, video, video camera. camera. Which has which has the number one best-selling video camera? None of those three. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it is the GoPro. I mean, that is the number one seller. And I have the Hero Three. They now have the Three Hero Four out. And you know, I mentioned before, I bought a point-and-shoot because we were going on a cruise, and I knew I was going to do some underwater video. 
Um, to me, in, in, I personally have no need to ever buy a point-and-shoot again. Instead, what I would do when we go on vacation again, and I'll use it around here too, is I want to do underwater stuff, I would just use this GoPro. Uh, and, and it has so many other uses. It can be a still camera. I have I mentioned before, you know, that whole thing that, that Tim was just talking about with his Gorillapod. I attach this to a Gorillapod. I have a tripod mount and put it in a uh, dugout in uh, baseball and had it set to take a photo every, I think, one second every one second at 12 megapixels, so it's a 12 megapixel camera. And then I had it at the, the phone app on my phone, so as people came back into the, uh, the dugout, I would turn it on. And it you know, took those photos. Like, I don't know if it was one second, maybe it was five seconds. And then I'd made like a little uh, motion picture of, of that later on, a still image motion picture of that later on. Um, Tim, do you own a GoPro? No, I, you know, I, I keep trying to figure out, do I need one? It's really I, I want to find a use for it, and because it's not a cheap cheap investment like nothing no. in photography is. But uh, and I'm sure if I had one, I'd wear it. And, and I look at the people like when I go skiing and they got it mounted on their their helmet or on their chest. And I'm like, do I really want to be that person out there? I'm not sure yet. It, or, the selfies, the or the selfie stick. That is yeah. the thing. What do you do with this thing now that you got it? And I haven't used it as much as I wanted. I bought it because last year when we had. You know, Snowmageddon. It was the Earth, the world almost ended because Atlanta got I think, two <laughs> inches of ice. Uh, one of my coworkers drove in to work with one of these strapped to his hood. And when he got there, he was looking at the video, and it was just fantastic. The quality of the video was just fantastic. Um, that I, as soon as that video was done playing, I logged into Amazon right there at work and bought it all right there. <laughs> and, and these things are used, you know. These things are used by professional photographers of um, people too. So let's say you're shooting uh, Deadliest Catch on Discovery, wherever that whatever that channel is. They ha they're using some GoPros in some of those shots. You know, there's a lot of professional quality stuff that's that's using these things in, in their in their uh, production. This will shoot. Uh, I think the one I have will shoot 1080p at 60 frames a second. The new Hero 4 will shoot six, uh, 1080p at 120 frames a second. And uh, this one, this one will shoot 4K, but it's only I think 15 frames a second. Where the new ones, I'm, let me look that up. Uh, 4K is 30 frames a second, and you know 2K is uh, 50 frames a second. So that's, I mean, that's pretty darn good. And that's another ecosystem, though, that you start at 500 bucks and you work your way up. Yeah, right. the one, the one thing is, you know, you, you're gonna spend 500 bucks for one of, for one of these. You still got to buy the the memory card that goes inside of it, but that wasn't that expensive. I bought a 64 gig card, that wasn't that expensive, and then the accessories that I have are not that expensive actually. Okay. Okay. I have 30, a little, 40 bucks I think each probably. Yeah, some of them are a little bit even cheaper than that. I had in great on, on quadcopters, Rennie says. Uh, I have the the suction cup thing, and I've suction cupped it to the hood of my truck and went driving through the oh, mud. I don't know if I trust that <laughs> suction cup. I didn't know if I would either because you know it's $500 you're strapping to your hood. Yeah, really. <laughs> but it said it was rated for 150 miles an hour, and I said, you know what? If I see it start to come off, I'll, I'll stop. I did wish I had like if a you see it start and come off, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had like a little safety cable attached to it. But when we got done going well, that's through a good that, idea. and there was mud, there was mud and dirt splashing up and hitting this thing, and it's in a protective case. Um, 
and it did, that did make the video like when it got splashed with mud. Okay, now I got mud covering the lens. Right. Um, but when I got to the end, it was suction cupped on there, still really, really good. It was when I got to. The, I was worried when I was driving, but when I got to the end, I realized there's no way that thing was coming off. Yeah, I think the GoPro is the gift for the guy that's got everything except a GoPro, right? I mean, if that's that's the kind of I think that's the kind of the gift that falls into. And so my my brother, my younger brother, brought one. He's yeah. taken tons of pictures with it. They've gone underwater, and then he's put these videos together for his kids with music, and that's that's um, really cool. Let's talk a little bit about presentation of that. And Tim, we'll drop over to your notes here real quick. And you threw in there some photo frames. I thought the era of photo frames is over, right? A couple years ago, you could buy really clunky photo frames in the store, and you'd have to get an SD card and put it in or USB. Has that changed? Uh, yeah, I, and, and you know that's the reason I, I never really got one before because I always hated the idea of you had to have the the card in there and then you oh I have to go update the card or I had pictures on there that were four years old. Finally, the the frame I had up in my living room died, and I, and I started looking around and my, my brother-in-law actually found one years ago that was Wi-Fi slash Flickr slash email, but I found this one from Nick's Play, which is really good. I I have a you get a website with it where you upload the pictures to the website. You can also do it via an SD card. So now I upload the pictures to the SD, to the website. Automatically, it transfers over to this, and I can have multiple multiple accounts. So I'm going to get one from my mother-in-law. So she lives up in Connecticut. I can control what's on her screen via this. At the same time, it could also email pictures to it. Now, one thing I did like about the emailing of the pictures of it it's not like anybody can email any picture to it and it's automatically going to go up there because you can imagine someone might send something that's not very tasteful. Sure. You actually get an email and you have to prove that the picture is going to go on the screen. So it's like, so it's got a little bit of safety on it. So this is one of the ones I really liked. I, I bought the 8-inch. Uh, I probably should have bought the 12-inch. My wife's like, no, the 8 is, is fine. But uh, I had so the one you have there is a 12-inch for, what was it, 139? One, 139 and the 8-inch is 100. Oh, that's very good, Tim. No, that's pretty I, cool. So I mean, they've really upped it. You know, it seemed it, it seemed like I said, you know, a couple of years ago, everybody was doing these frames. You could buy them at the dollar store. Right, you could you buy know. them anywhere. Yeah, and they weren't very good. You know, and some people tried them. I've still I still see some of my friends using them, and uh, but this definitely takes it up. I love that idea though of uploading to a website. And then having them come down. Right, because I, I can manage. I can manage the frame from right here, awesome. and I can tell it to turn off at certain hours or to turn on only when somebody walks by it. I, I change it so it changes the pictures every five seconds. So now it's it's nice. We are actually this past Thanksgiving, people were sitting in my living room staring at the photo frame, and and I think about all the pictures I take. And Mike, you probably the same way as me. I do not print nearly as many pictures yeah. as I ever did before. So I'm thinking about my mother-in-law who. You know, she's not going to see any of the photos that I take of the kids because I never print them. Just like you said, they're exactly. all right here on my computer. And if I can push them to her, and she can see them, at, you know, at her house without having to do anything, that is fantastic. My my mom sees everything on Facebook. That's I mean, we just we upload them there, and then she goes and makes inappropriate comments. <laughs> <laughs> my sister got my father a Facebook account, but he's never been in it. Yeah, my mother-in-law won't go on there either. So it's uh, it's another way of doing it. Tim, a fisheye. You have a fisheye device in here. I don't I don't really understand this technology. So well, this uh, is a a three-in-one lens kit for a for a smartphone. This is this is I thought for this for the people that have it. And my brother-in-law got me one of these last year for my for my phone. Where you take a lot of pictures. A lot of people take a lot of pictures with their phones. Probably. 
the vast majority of pictures that went up on Facebook are via a phone. So this you can either have a fisheye lens on it or a, um, a wide angle or even a macro lens. So you could take different types of pictures and it wasn't even expensive. Now I'm, I'm not I can, I'm not going to vouch for the quality of the the pictures. I mean it is a camera phone after all, but um, th this is just to get some creative pictures out there, and it attaches very easily to your uh, to your phone. And yes. it, there you go. There's some example of fisheye. Fisheye is where you get this really wide shot, but it creates like a bubble, and every and the thing in the center is kind of protruding out to you. Yeah, some some really creative. Yeah. You know some some really creative. There's the lenses. That are available the fisheye and then the and the macro. So that macro is designed to do what? To zoom in very close on a. Let's say you want to take a picture of a, I don't know, say a stamp. You're not going to get a close up of it. This will zoom in on the picture, oh, on nice. the on the stamp. And that point six seven means it'll go half as it's half as better as it, it would be. Pretty make uh, make about twice as wide. Okay, twice as wide. Got it. Or twice as close, I should say. Because you, you know, you're taking your phone before, and you, at a certain point, you can't move the phone any closer, or because it won't focus. Won't focus, right? I mean, it's kind of clunky that way. So this just attaches. It's, it's a universal for regardless of what phone you have. It just pretty much onto right. the phone, and then and then you do it that way. That's kind of. Uh, cool. Ken asked, um, so you can upload remotely to the frame. Going back to the frame. Oh, going back to the frame. Yeah. C correctly, you can upload. Uh, what I'm doing right now is I take it off my my computer and I upload to the website. And then it automatically gets transferred into the frame. So because it's Wi-Fi to my network. And if I had this hooked up at my mother-in-law's house, it connects to her Wi-Fi. And it would hook, she'd be able to get any of the pictures that I wanted on it. So that's what I liked about it the most. This is something I've been looking for for a long time. Yeah. A Wi-Fi type one where I, I could manage it from my computer where I probably spend more time. Then I never pulled the card out of my old uh, frame. And I've been looking for something like that too, the right thing. So that's that's perfect, Tim. Yeah, that's a good one. I think that's a good one for mom because you yeah. you put it on mom and you're like every once a month, set yourself a note, update mom's photo, photo thing, frame, right? Yeah. Boom. You upload the picture, set it, send it, bam, you're done, right? And they just show up, right? They just show up on her on her uh, on her frame. Right, you can get a phone call in a couple of days, say. Jim, I, I saw some new pictures on there. <laughs> yes, you did. I'm glad you're looking. <laughs> uh, very good. Yeah, my mom would be calling me saying, can you load some new pictures? They've been on there two days now. Can you drop, can you drop <laughs> yeah. the, somebody drop the link to the, uh, to the frame in the chat? Oh, no, uh, here, let me... Let me do that. I imagine you have this in the show notes, right? Yeah, it'll all yes. be in the show notes when we when we go. But let me let me copy and paste that in there right now. So you guys, sorry, I've been I haven't in, put all the I have not put in the, for the those listening live. I've not put all these links. We will have those all in the show notes here this weekend when I when I post it live. Okay, Tim, let's talk about – you have a couple uh, bits of cleaning gear that's in here. You've got yeah, it. and, and this know. really came out of necessity. Uh, this this uh. After my last vacation, I, I came back and I looked at my pictures and I had sensor du uh, dust all over my sensor. So uh, I needed to to get something to clean it out. Uh, I wound up getting the air blaster. And, um, Mike, I think you actually have this one as well. I do. Uh, it, it does clean out, the, especially with a, an SLR where you're exchanging lenses. It, it, there's certain things you need to do. Don't change it in a dusty environment. Do it with the camera off. Have the camera pointing down so dust doesn't rest on it. But either way... Dust is going to get inside the lens. And it's not like when you had film where every single time you took a picture, it would advance and you always had a clean sensor, so to speak. Now that sensor is there for 10,000 straight pictures and it doesn't change. So 
Uh, technology has gotten better. It does clean itself a little bit, but it's still not perfect. Um, I, I wound up using this to clean out the uh, the, the the chamber. I use this uh, every, uh, maybe uh, once every two months just to clean out, or if I see anything on the on the pictures. And usually, where you're going to see it is if you take a picture of a, a landscape and it's the sky. You're going to see instead of a, a clear blue sky or or the clouds in the sky, you're going to see a speck of dust hanging out there. And it's not something you're going to see with the naked eye. It's going to be something that is so tiny on the sensor, but it is so large on the picture. And, and you, it, then you spend a lot of time cleaning it up in post-production. And it looked like just a weird little darker spot in the sky. So it's not like a like dust where you would see it in maybe a film or like a line. This is going to be like just a darker little spot in the sky. You don't know what. why is that there. I don't know what that is. And I use it sometimes on my on my bigger lenses too to like spray off uh, dust off the bigger dust before I, I clean it another way. So, you know, it's a good air blaster. So while we're talking about cleaning, uh, we have a lens pen. Yeah, uh, this is something. Uh, and, and I use this all the time on my lenses because if you get fingerprints on there, you're going to wind up seeing it. This is something that I carry, and I actually bought a couple of these for different camera bags that I have. And I, it's for cleaning the lens. It cleans off. The, the back of the uh, viewfinder as well it has different types within it. And it's not expensive. $10 is not something expensive. But you know, when you have a, a smudge on the front of your lens, you don't want to be cleaning it with your shirt because cotton fibers have ha, will scratch the lens. So this is something that is safe. You, you figure you got a, an $800 lens. Do you want to really clean it with something, paper towel, that is going to scratch it? Yeah, you shouldn't be doing a paper towel. Even your shirt, you shouldn't be doing that. Right. I put filters in the front of all of mine, so sometimes I don't mind using the, uh, my shirt. But on your, if you spent the money on a lens, you need to use something like that to protect the lens so you and, don't scratch it. And is this the same same deal? Yeah, they, well, this this was uh, after the uh, – this probably should have been after the air rocket. This was actually what I needed to use to clean my actual sensor, which I never wanted to actually do was touch my sensor because that is the most important part of your camera. I had to actually go in there and clean my sen the sensor with uh, with this. I went over the sensor twice, took pictures, and my sensor was absolutely clean after that. So versus sending it in for repairs because otherwise you almost have to send it in for repairs and it's going to cost you probably a minimum of $100 to send it in to have your sensor cleaned. Mike, have you ever had to use this? I, I am too nervous to use this. So this is not for the faint of heart, and, and no. you've you got to be very careful. So the air duster, you don't actually touch. You, you don't want to touch the, the sensor. You're just blowing the stuff out. With this one, you're actually touching the sensor and trying to get that stubborn stuff off that, you know, the airbrush may not get it. I mean, the air blower may not get it all off. This will get it off, but you could – you mess up that sensor, and it's – there you go. It's done. It's good night now. Good night now. Now that one, did that one have any liquid to it? Uh, it also had the liquid with it, but I didn't need to use it. That's that's if that's you have good. something really stuck on there. And I think I don't know if I would have actually went to that. I just used the brush. And I think if I remember correctly, when you use the brush, I actually had to use an air can to charge up the brush. You had to blow through the brush so that it actually attracted the particles of dust okay. on it. Okay. All right. Let's look at uh, this. Tim has another great one coming up. Let me throw that out there. All right. This is uh, anybody taking a lot of pictures and want to print anything. Uh, I, I think uh, I know we've talked about this previously, and I actually changed from uh, a, an older model to this one just uh, this past year. Monitor calibration. 
where you would be so surprised to realize how off your camera is. If you want to get something pr printed, and, and then you uh, it, you print it, and it's like, wh why the color is red? After you calibrate your screen, it'll show you before and after results. You're going to say, this is what it's supposed to look like. It really, it's just helping you set the baseline. So when you look at a picture and you say, all right, I want to print it, this is what it's going to come out like versus having no idea. I think if you don't, if you don't, if you're a photographer and you're working in Photoshop or Lightroom, wherever you're working in, and you're editing your photos and you're not doing it on a calibrated monitor, then you really have no clue what you're really doing. Right. You know, you you may be trying to 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 get a tint out in the image. Maybe you think there's a green tint in the image or some other kind of tint in the image, and it's really not there. Maybe you're creating that green tint or some kind of orange tint because you're doing it off a of color. Uh, a non-calibrated monitor. You know, I have four monitors in front of me, and only one of them is calibrated. And it, and it is amazing the difference between these these monitors. And and the one I'm talking to to you guys on is one I normally look on Facebook, and like when I'm looking at the images that people post in our group, Tim, I'm I'm looking at them there. And I remember somebody posted a black and white image in one of our contests, and I thought that is fantastic. I love that image until I pulled it over onto my calibrated monitor. <laughs> Oh wait, it's not it's not quite what I thought it was. So calibrating your monitor is critical. Yes. And not too terribly expensive, but I think for a photographer one of those things that you need to have. I want to show this iFi card and we've talked about these are not new by by any means, but have these gotten it seemed like early on they were kinda iffy. Have they gotten better? Is this or is this technology changing much? Yeah, you know, I wound up using this uh, partly because um, we had a podcast about Photosmith, the Photosmith app uh, for the iPad, where what I was doing when I was on vacation, I would take, I wanted to take the pictures off my camera onto the iPad so that I can tag them, which is put names, uh, places, locations, the people um, attached to the picture versus waiting when I got home. The iFi card enabled me to transfer the pictures from the camera Wi through Wi-Fi creates its own Wi-Fi hotspot to the iPad, and it was sending over a smaller version of the picture, just the JPEG versus the full RAW file. So I was able to get all the pictures without any problem onto my iPad to uh, to to keyword my files. What you could also use this for is if you want to get pictures. Now you think about people have cameras, and you want to. My wife's always saying, "Well, you got to give me a picture so I can put it on Facebook." Well, now she can attach to my camera to put the pictures onto her phone so she can email them out to Facebook right away. Oh, so nice. I, it, it has worked very well for me. Yeah. So it gives you almost like a Facebook-ready, because that's all you really want to share on Facebook anyways. You keep the raw ones there and, and get them later, but it gives you kind of a quick access to those uh, those um, Facebook-ready photos. Correct. Yeah, very cool. Um, Mike, there was some question. Let me ask both of you. There was some question in chat about that going back to that calibration device. Walk me through real quick. I get one. I open it, take it out of the package. I stick it on my monitor. Then what? I mean, but is there well, software that I use? Yeah, or? there's software that you use. And what it in mine? Mine's. I have a Spider Three, so it's a little bit older than his. What mine does? It hangs on the on the monitor. And then it will read data coming from it. And as it's doing the color calibration, it sends a bunch of different colors to it. You know, a bunch of different shades of red and green and blue. And as it's doing that, it's, it's reading that. And then it will tell you, it'll make an adjustment, make a, a, a monitor calibration file or whatever it is. And then that, that does that. It also will measure the brightness uh, coming from it so you can adjust your, your contrast and your, and your brightness. So I assume that software and, runs on Windows or... 
Go ahead, Tim. Go ahead. And what it also does is it's Mike. I think you have this pretty much the same one. It's right now. It's sitting on top of my uh, monitor stand here, and it, if the lights are brighter in the room, it adjusts the screen to whatever the surrounding brightness is. Now you got to do a regular calibration every two weeks. I have it set for to do a calibration as well. And I have mine set for every month. And it's surprising you think, you know, a month or like in terms of two weeks. When I do it, it actually is different. Yes. So your your monitor is drifting ever so slightly, and I have a a, a decent you know Dell monitor here, but the the, the the it will drift a little bit over time. It's kind of like me during the podcast. I just kind of drift. <laughs> We go over time. Hey, let's jump to the very end. We're uh, we're running right up against uh, some time constraints here. Not really, but uh, that's fun <laughs> to say. Um, let's jump to the very end. This is because we've talked about quadcopters in the past here. And, uh, Tim, you've got one picked out that I, I kind of like, too. Why don't you talk about this? Yeah, you know, I, I've, I've been watching uh, the podcast from um, one of Leo Laporte's know-how, and uh, the, the They've been talking about quadcopters, and, and it's something I wanted to get for the longest time. And this is kind of what they call the training quadcopter. It's only $60. It's very easy to use. It's a good learning one versus going out and buying the, the $500 one where you reckon you're going to cry. This one can bounce off the ground. It can land upside down because it's got the, uh, the protectors on it. And it also comes with a camera. Now, I, I didn't get it. It's actually coming in the mail tomorrow. It's a, a Christmas gift for my son, so... Uh, I'm not sure if it's really for him or for me, but uh, I, 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 I like <laughs> the idea of this. He's 12. Hey, uh, it's for both of you. For <laughs> exactly. Both of you. We're showing some pictures now. If you are watching to the audio, we did a lot of of uh, screen share, so you might want to head over to theaverageguy.tv slash HGG194. Just to get towards the back half of the show, and we'll have a lot of pictures. Sixty dollars, Tim. I mean, this is actually pretty reasonable when we when we think about helicopters. Yeah, and and I think it came with a. It might did it come with two batteries? It comes with the camera built into it. Now I'm sure the camera is nothing spectacular. I think it's two megapixel, but you know, it's just the idea of having it. And then you take it all the way up, and you get them where they have the the gimbal underneath, where you get some really great pictures with a steady camera. And and who knows. What, what comes from this. Maybe I do get something later in the uh, future. Yeah. And you say it's a training thing. If you, uh, you know, you can always step up to something bigger later. Right on. Exactly. I think I think that's the key because, man, you can drop these things. I mean, with a think about having putting your GoPro on that thing and then sending yeah. it up. And we had, when we had John Nye on here the last time, he was like, uh, I think he was the one who said he lost one. That went, you know, oh, something wow. like, yeah, I think I well, my, I got my son a couple of years ago one of those little helicopters, and we tried to use it in the basement, and he it didn't really do a lot in the house. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go outside with it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to come out with you. Wait till I get out there. When I tell you, I wasn't out there two minutes later, and it had flown over the house, over to a neighbor's house on their roof. I was, <laughs> I was, I was like, really, Jack? And that was the end of it. it landed on the roof, it broke into pieces, and oh. I was like, that was a Christmas gift that lasted. Less than ten minutes. Wow. How and how much was it? Uh, that was probably twenty dollars. Oh, okay. So not too bad. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Not I mean, too it was bad. probably eight or nine at the time. So. Yeah. Good. Well, a little trainer quadcopter. Mike, have you thought about uh, some aerial photography via quadcopter? I have. I, I've I've looked at some of those things and they look really interesting, uh, but they've always been too much money for me for me to spend on that. Sixty bucks. It sounds like a great way to get into the uh, into that space and and try it out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, guys, thanks for we. Did you have one more thing to say? Well, and Ken was asking about um, 
what about calibrating your TV? You know, we're we're coming from the photographer standpoint, so we're talking about calibrating our monitors. The I don't these devices, but I don't think you can use them to calibrate. Yeah, I don't your think TV. so. Yeah, so they do sell devices for it. Um, yeah. they're, they're different than this, but I, I, I don't think we can speak to that. At least I can't. I can't, I can't either. I, I'm talking from the photographer point. So I think there are things out there. There are ways to do it, but I don't know how to do it. All right, very cool, guys. Thanks for taking a bunch of time to roll through. I mean, we quickly went through 30 or 40 things uh, for your photographer, maybe loved one, family member, uh, sibling, something along those lines. If they're a photographer. We have given you a bunch of really good ideas. There's some things that, uh, some reasonably priced, actually most of them. Uh, you guys did a nice job. I think the GoPro was probably the most expensive uh, item on there at, at 500 bucks. And that's for the 4, right? That's for the GoPro 4. It's it $499. Well, I think. some of those workshops can be in the hundreds or thousands of dollars. <laughs> yeah. but I think what we, what we gave you was a mix of stuff that may, might appeal to people who aren't quite as... Uh, crazy about the hobby or business in photography. You know, Tim had a great list of stuff there, and then we had some stuff that maybe is a little more expensive. So I yeah. think we had a good a good line line of stuff. A good mix of uh, things for your for your photographer and uh, in your life, and some good stuff. Well, again, I'll take all the show notes that uh, everything these guys, all these links they've given me, we'll put them in the show notes. So if you want to head out there and take a look peek at those, and and of course, if you are a photographer and you didn't know, jpegdera.com Every Tuesday evening, you want to pop over there. 7:30, I think 7:30 Central. Yeah, 8:30 Pacific. 8:30 yeah, Eastern. I mean 8:30 Eastern. Eastern. Yeah. I don't know why I said Pacific. Because uh, <laughs> I'm tired. It's been a long day. That's why I'm saying it. Uh, and uh, Mike and Tim and sometimes Sess and uh, and and guests. Some great guests. Uh, just last Tuesday, you had a guy that uh, coming from England at one in the morning. A guy who got found by his Flickr photos. Amazing photographer got found by his flicking Flickr photos from Coke. Coke called and said, Can "We use some of your photos in our social media," and they, he agreed. And then Coke said, "Hey, uh, we like this so much. Would you mind being the lead photographer for our FIFA 2014 World Trophy Tour? And we're going to take you around the world to about 90 different countries over the next nine months." Yeah, can would you be up for that? And of course he was. Every, every two to three days, he was in a different country. Uh, so yeah. that's what we had on Tuesday. That you know what? That's cool for about a week, and then you're like, you miss home. Actually, <laughs> he enjoyed the whole time. I oh, think he said, "Good, good, yeah. good, good, good." Yeah. So that's uh, JPEG Dura, and uh, if you want to listen to that, uh, I, I can't believe if you've listened to this podcast for very long, you didn't know that. But if you didn't, and you're, in, you're into photography, some great, uh, some great content over there, and I try to catch that. I'm not a photographer, so you guys lose me. Just I, Now I know how the tech guys feel, you know, or the non-tech people when they listen to this show. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, you lost me. And I'm like, it's not that hard, but uh, I get it. So going forward, uh, you guys are doing good stuff over there as well. I want to remind you that December is leave a review for your favorite podcast month. I just made that up, and uh, but it would be a great, it would be a a great idea in the month of December while you have a few extra moments. Uh, maybe you're sitting around listening to the podcast or you're ordering stuff for Christmas. Head out to iTunes for both JPEG to Raw and here Home Gadget Geeks, maybe even Cyber Frontiers. We'd love to have reviews for you in iTunes. That's always very helpful. I don't ask for that very much, and if you've made it to this far, we're an hour and 39 minutes into the podcast. If you have not, if you've made it this far, you are the most engaged listeners that we have at this point. One, I want to say thanks. Thanks for, you know, Doing that, we got a great community, and I appreciate you guys. But two, if you got a second, 
Leave us a review where you listen to us, and that would be great as well. I'll remind you of the Amazon links, uh, and you guys are great about doing that, uh, so appreciate that. TheAverageGuy.tv slash Amazon or TheAverageGuy.tv slash Amazon CA for our Canadian residents. If you signed up for the newsletter, you know that I'm late. It is December 4th, and I haven't got that newsletter out yet. In fact, I'm going to write that down. News, hold on, news letter. I just remembered this morning. I'm like, oh, I didn't get one out uh, month, the monthly. We just do it once a month and I won't even spam you because I've forgotten about December already. But it's a good way to keep up with what's going on here in the community and a way for me to wish you a Merry Christmas. And so get, head over to TheAverageGuy.tv. Look for the newsletter sign up area. It's on the right hand side and we'd love to have you do that. And then uh, one final reminder. Uh, let's see, what else do I have? Or maybe not one final one. Oh, we'd love to invite you to, to join us for Cyber Frontiers. I mentioned that a little bit earlier, but Christian and Ashton have joined me now on a very consistent, regular, every other Monday schedule for Cyber Frontiers. Very geeky, very big data and cybersecurity driven. Those guys make me feel really bad about myself. I'm oh, just, yes, they do. Wow. <laughs> yeah. They are so smart. They, oh, man. So uh, they're actually going to join me next week here on Home Gadget Geeks. So if you're a regular listener, they'll be back on. But I invite you to join. Uh, give Cyber Frontiers a try. It might be a great time to do it again during the holidays. Don't forget to visit the Kickstarter program. That'll be available. That link will be available in the show notes for On Air Player. And I think as soon as it's available, I will probably pick one up. And then every Saturday morning, 930 Central, 10.30 Eastern, Saturday mornings. Mike Howard and I, he joins us in chat. I'm on the show with Dave Jackson out at Ask the Podcast Coach. It's a super fun show. You don't even have to be a podcaster to come. You might learn something new. Mike does his editing while he's listening and, uh, and joins us there in chat. Ask the Podcast Coach, all one word, dot com slash. And that's on this Mike. Saturday? It, we are. Yeah, you know what? With the holidays, we're not going to skip. We don't have to skip anything because the holidays are all in the middle of the week. It, it has become a every Saturday morning thing for me. <laughs> uh, Thank you. I sit here and do my editing and and, and watch the show. So it's, it's, it's a really fun time for Saturday morning. Yeah, and Dave Jackson's a hoot, and uh, I just love hanging out with him, and uh, we, we have a good time uh, doing that together. And so lots of good stuff going on. I've been uh, I've been interviewed in a whole bunch of different places, and if you want to know what those are, uh, always head out to TheAverageGuy.tv. We have a other podcast section that's out there, and anytime I'm featured somewhere or I do a podcast somewhere else, for whatever reason, I put it in that section. And so if you want to know some of the things, I was on Open Mic Night with Mike Weger over at uh, WegerTech.com uh, the other day. And, of course, you can't miss the strength stuff that we do for work. I mean, I do all this on the side, but my real job is podcasting at work. And, of course, you can catch that coaching.gallup.com if you want to see what I do. Not This is a little bit of what I do. Just a little bit. But uh, a lot of work going forward. We'll say thanks for coming out tonight, Tim. And Mike, thank you for taking the time and staying a long time. Uh, you guys have done a great job. Thanks both for coming out. Thank you. We will do it all again next Thursday. I think Yes, we'll do it all again next Thursday. After with the holidays, it always messes me up. We won't be here Christmas. But next Thursday, 8 p.m., 9 central, out at theaverageguy.tv. Stay around for a, a tiny little post show. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.